laid out in the groundwork was the importance of the Bible and how the Bible is authoritative and it's reliable. Um, It tells us what God is like. It tells us what God thinks about things. It answers so many questions. And then in the second part, we, we talked about Um, hearing God through the thoughts and impressions, our intuition by the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit makes impressions upon us. And we talked about um, how God is not um, erratic or fearful or anxious when he speaks to us, but there's a peace and a calmness in his voice, if you will. And we talked about what the wisdom of God sounds like from James chapter 3, verse 17. And then last week, we took some time to talk about big decisions. You know, there, there are times where when you need to hear from God, it's really an epic decision. It's an epic uh, moment in our lives when it comes to direction and where we're headed in our lives. And so we talked about it at those times that we need to typically take our time and not be in a hurry. A lot of times we want the answer before we're, we're going to hear it. And we kind of want to rush God and just make it binary. But we talked about how we can learn a lot in the process of hearing God. Learn a lot about ourselves. Learn a lot more than just maybe even the question that we're asking. Um, and we, we landed and have kind of uh, really emphasized the difference between objective and subjective. That God's word is objective and reliable and we can trust that because God's nature does not change. He changes how he does things, but he does not change. And then we've talked about how when we talk about hearing God's voice, that this is a subjective realm, whether it's an impression or whether it's wisdom that somebody else speaks in your life or even a prophetic word, that it's subjective in the standpoint of we have to judge it. We have to make sure that it lines up with God's will. And and um, it, it's it's not this, we don't put it at the same level as Scripture, and it's really important that we do that. Otherwise, we can actually get disillusioned. We can think we heard God, and then it, it doesn't turn out, or something is different, and we go, well, I thought God spoke to me. Is he a liar? No, God's not a liar. We're sure that's not it. And so understanding that difference between objective and subjective is important in that realm. We talked about how you... How you judge the subjective, and that's what I want to. I want to dive into a little bit more today because I'm going to. I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm, this thing today. I don't normally preach quite this way, but I'm going to make a little bit of a mess, and then I'm going to clean it up. And I'd like your permission to make a little bit of a mess um, because I want to talk about this idea of the subjective and how you make those decisions because it's really important to know, like. Am I really hearing from the Lord, or is that the pizza I ate last night, right? Like, we need to know. So to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a paradox in Scripture. And at first, when I share it with you, it's going to sound like a contradiction. It's going to sound like two verses that just completely don't agree, and yet we're supposed to be able to trust the Bible, so I'm going to make a bit of a mess. But it's not a contradiction because, see, contradictions are two things that don't agree and don't line up, and they can't both be true, if you will. But a paradox are things that appear to be in contradiction. But when you look at them in context, no contradiction actually exists. Okay? So here's the first verse. Do you all trust me today? All right. All right. And if you don't, you know, we're all going to leave here about 10.15 or 9, 10.30. So you can just leave then, right? And just be like, I'm leaving. So does everybody else. <laughs> Put a little stomp in there. I'm just kidding. All right, so here's the first verse. Now remember, I'm going to create a little bit of a mess first, okay? 
Psalm 37, 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord. and He will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that beautiful? You're like, I like where this is headed. It's kind of a warm, fuzzy verse, right? He grants the desires of my heart. I mean, you preach this and most people are going to go, yes and amen, right? I like that verse. And I believe this verse is absolutely true. Jeremiah 17:9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond a cure. Who can understand it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The heart is deceitful? Well, if the heart is if my heart is deceitful, how can I trust my thoughts or how can I trust my desires? How can I trust that the Holy Spirit thought that has been dropped into my mind or heart? If my heart is deceitful above all things and who can trust it? How can I Do you see the conflict there? But God grants the desires of my heart. Okay, we're going to clean that up. Years ago when I was in Portland Bible College, y'all, y'all should have known me when I first gave my life to Jesus. I was really skinny. Um, and I was so excited to follow Jesus because I went from atheist to I believe in Jesus. And instead of going off in the Marine Corps and being an accountant... Yeah, my friends made a lot of fun of me for that. Um, I ended up going to Bible college instead. And I got there, and I didn't even know the Bible stories. I was just happy to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm excited, and I'm there. I got real homesick because I was in Portland, Oregon. And um, I, I think it was the first Easter. It might have been the second Easter. But it was about Easter week, and I think we had some you know, spring break at school or something like that. And you know, we're about to celebrate Easter. And I was homesick. And I missed my mama. I just missed her. And I wanted to be, but <clears throat> if you didn't know my mom, my mom was five foot one. Just adorable. She was a little chunky. It's just a lot to hug there. And um, she was very soft spoken and just very intelligent. And if you knew my dad, my dad was six foot three and as loud as all get out. Like you could hear him coming and going. They were an amazing pair. You know, it was just like. To see them in pictures and all, and it kind of gives you like information about my own stature. I got caught in the middle there, and um, I really missed my mama. And I was praying, and I just said, "Lord, I I want to I want to go home to see my mama." And um, and I was praying and praying, and I did, I felt like the Lord said to me, "I'm going to provide for you to go see your mama for Easter." And I was like, "Hot dog." Hot dog, hot diggity dog. I mean, I'm like so excited. And I, I started praying about it. I'm like, okay, Lord, like what's going to happen? Are you going to give me like a wad of money and I'm going to buy a ticket and go home? How's it? And I just felt like the Lord said, just go to the airport. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to the airport. This is way before 9-11. Like you could do this back then. I flew to school the first time on somebody else's ticket. It was a female's name on the ticket. Things have changed. Um, and... So I just show up at the airport. I got a couple of my buddies from from uh, from the college, one of them who had a car because that was going to be a requirement to get to the airport. And I said, I just believe God's going to help me get home to see my mama. Uh, he's spoken to me, and I can't wait to go see her for Easter. It's going to be this big surprise. And so I think it was like Friday night or Saturday morning or something, and I had them take me to the airport. And uh, they said, so how is this going to happen? I said, I don't know. I said, but God spoke to me, and I'm going to get a ticket, and I'm going to fly home to see my mama and they said i want to see this <laughs> i mean they took me to the airport 
I th- in my mind's eye, it's like they had popcorn, like just watching. <laughs> I want to see this. If they had cell phones back then, yikes, sorry about that. They would have been, you know, live streaming me something, you know. Um, I am sorry to say, no one gave me a ticket to go see my mama. I know, right? Like, I wanted to go see my mama. Now, here's the thing. I had a good desire. And I'm going to tell you, right, right, right to your face, I believed with all my heart, I felt like God had spoke to me. And I know that I was wrong, that I missed it. Was there anything evil about my request? No. Was it wrong? No. Was it a pure desire? Absolutely it was a pure desire. But was it God? It wasn't. It was my heart telling myself God is going to do this thing. And, you know, I, I learned something important. Other, the, other than being completely embarrassed with my friends who were very gracious with me, um, I learned that God wasn't going to underwrite my will when he wasn't in agreement with it. Does that make sense? That it, what, he, it, he wasn't going to just step up and go, well, just because you have this much faith, we're going to do this thing, right? Like, uh, it wasn't one of those things where he just said, oh, I'm going to do it just because you believe I can. No, it wasn't what he was going to do. And that was okay. I learned a really important lesson. On Thursday night, we were praying before worship practice, and somebody said, I'm praying for a car, and just love for you all to pray for a car. It was actually Grace. We were praying for her for a car. She's getting ready to buy a car. And Darlene said, I'm going to pray that somebody give you a car. And so we prayed. I said, Lord, according to Darlene's faith, would you provide Grace a car? Because Grace is like, I mean, Darlene's like, I've been given several cars. I have faith that God will. And it was really kind of pretty, you know, we're just going to see what God does, right? But it's important. The reason it's important to understand and to look at these things as far as the subjective is I had my heart set on that. And if I got myself into a place of self-deception and, and kind of really stubbornness, can you imagine how disillusioned I would have gotten if I would have gotten mad at God or been frustrated with him and said, you didn't come through and you said, and he'd be like, that was you, bro. That was you. Having the integrity to miss it. It's really an important thing. And one of the things that we have to be careful of, not fearful of, but careful of when it comes to hearing the voice of God, is that when you stand in front of someone and say, God told me, do you realize that no one can say anything now? God told me he's going to provide me an airline ticket and I need to show up at the airport. No one's going to, no one can refute that sentence because you've now put it at the God told you. And so now we'll just have to see. We have to be careful. It's, it's, I think it's totally fine to say I believe God showed me and told me and all those kind of things. But you have to recognize that once you say that, you have said, I don't want any counsel. I don't want any opinion. I don't want any thoughts because God has said. And it's an important delineation, right? You know, the, the Lord said to me that phrase can be what we want and what we want God to say. But doesn't that verse that we just read say, God grants the desires of our heart? 
right? So we're getting back into that. How do you discern? God grants the desires of my heart, and my own heart can deceive me because the heart is deceitful above all things, right? Well, first thing, the first principle we need to understand is that God, he is not the author of confusion in your life. He is not trying to confuse you. He is not trying to fool you. If there is confusion, it's one of a a couple of different things. It can be the enemy. It can be yourself and people around you. But I can guarantee you God is not underwriting confusion in your life because that's not who he is. The second is, is that it's one of the reasons why God's word is so valuable to us is because we know what God thinks about subjects and because he lays it out clearly. And I know that what I believed for and thought God was speaking to me, there was nothing unbiblical about going home to see my mama for Easter. I mean, gosh, I'll find verses for it. I really wanted to see my mama. I'm thinking, man, that was a real sweet version of the 19-year-old Mike. Like, I just want to see my mama. Anyhow. The, the school was right next to an airport, so all day you see planes coming in and out. Boy, that'll make you homesick. Anyhow, so how do I tell the difference? How do I trust what God is saying um, and know that it is him speaking? You know, some, out of fear, what they'll do is they will say they don't, they don't want to hear anything. Because they're afraid of getting it wrong or they're afraid of messing it up, right? Or they're, they don't want to hear uh, or that the only thing that God says is things that I don't want to hear, right? If I don't like it, it must be God. I want to tell you that's bad theology. And I just encourage you to get over it because actually the, the enemy will take advantage of that kind of theology and thinking because what he'll do is he will bring condemnation and fear and wrong and, and wrong views of suffering and all kinds of stuff. And you'll just call it God, God, God all day long. And so don't go that far where it's like, well, if I like it, my, my heart must be deceitful and I can't trust it. Don't be so binary. Um, and, and God is big. Trust him. So how do I tell the difference? How do I tell the difference between my own heart and what it's saying and something where my heart is agreeing with the Lord? Let's, let's look at those verses a, a little deeper. Psalm 37, 4. I read it to you first time in the NIV, which says this. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But I want to read this to you in the New American Standard Version because it brings a little bit more emphasis to the front end. It says this. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will grant, give you the desires of your heart. That interesting emphasis. This idea that when we, when we delight ourselves in him, when we worship him, and when we seek him first, you see, it starts with him. Sometimes what we do is we objectify the desire or the answer or what's going to be said, and we begin to look at that as the object of, of what we want. And the reality is this is a relationship, and it starts with him. Seeking him, delighting ourselves in him. It starts with your relationship with him. You see, it's, it's not about the voice. It's about the speaker. It's about the one who is speaking to you. Do you catch that this morning? Because sometimes for, for some of us who are especially concrete thinkers and, and that kind of thing, and where you're just like, okay, what was said? And, I, okay, I need to take advantage or, or, or think about what was said. And we can lose track of who said it. 
There's a who between, behind the voice. And, and who do we seek? Do we seek his voice or do we seek him? So really what we're seeking is we're seeking him. And he has a voice and he speaks to us. Now let's pair that scripture with another one. In John fifteen seven, it says this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, if you're just like reading on a Tuesday morning in your devotions and you read this scripture, I think a lot of us would go, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you? Like, how does that work? Because I've asked for stuff and it wasn't done for me. Right? We're allowed to be talk honest here. It's okay. God's really big and strong. His throne room ain't going anywhere. He's good. So how does that work? Well, can I paint a picture for you of, of what was happening? You see, in John chapter 15, Jesus had been walking with his disciples for three years. And these disciples who were with him, they were very close. Can you imagine spending three years on the road show with Jesus? Watching him do miracles and, and praying for the sick and teaching and all that. They have this closeness and this intimacy, this knowledge of being with Jesus. And he's sitting there saying, if you remain in me, I would, if me, I would have gone, we're right here. We ain't going anywhere. What do you mean if we remain in you? But you see, keep reading, and he goes, I'm going somewhere. You see, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die for your sins. And I'm going to raise from the dead, and then I'm going to go up into heaven, and I'm going to make intercession for you, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, who's going to remind you of everything that I've said. Basically, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And when you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, you're going to be thinking, It's Jesus, that mystery of the Trinity right there. Jesus is setting them up, and he is preparing them for the time when he's not going to be right there flesh to flesh. And he's saying, if you remain in me, how profound is that for you and I for our daily lives? Remaining in him. I think we all have days of the week and sometimes we have weeks of the year and some of us have months of the year where we would look at ourselves and go, I don't feel like I've remained very well. I feel like I feel like in my life I'm not connected to him the way that I feel like he wants me to be connected with him. And and I want you to know that that's not complicated or weird. It's just spending time with him. Time in his word, time in prayer, you put on some worship songs and you sing your prayers to God. Like it's not complicated or, or anything weird to it at all, really. But this concept of remaining in him is this idea of I want to be with you. And you see, when you're with him, you catch something. There's been a lot of stuff going around, flu, viruses. In Jesus' name be gone, right? I mean, like, it has been bad. It has been rough. You know what they caught from Jesus? They caught his heart. You see, when you remain in him, you catch his heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. You're going to catch his heart. And what happens is he begins to impress upon our heart 
desires that we then pray back to him. And what we recognize is oftentimes he's the one who sowed that desire there in the first place. And so we delight ourselves in the Lord and he grants the desires of our heart. I believe that he put there. He actually sowed it in there. Remain in me. Let my words remain in you. It's such a beautiful thing. And ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This isn't like weird Forgive me for saying this one. Hyper faith, just say it and believe it and pray it. There's a relationship here that gives a confidence that says, I just believe that God has put this thing in my heart and I believe I'm going to pray after his will and after what he's put inside of me. And this confidence is rising up because I really don't believe I made this up. I don't believe it's just me. I think it's his heart on my heart. And you know what? If Even if I got it wrong, I'm good because I know him. And that protects me. From the disillusionment, from the confusion, the God, I thought you No, the reality is I know who you are and it's okay if I miss those things because I don't doubt at all who you are. I don't doubt at all what your thoughts are towards me. I don't have to doubt these things because you've put them in your word and I know them by your Holy Spirit to be true. You see, they're not in conflict with one another. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll grant the desires of your heart. You see, the predicate is delight yourself in him. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. See, that's all correlating. And it's really, it's a paradox. Now, how do we bring in this? The heart is deceitful above all things. We can tell ourselves stuff, can't we? That's a good guardrail for us. Because God is not giving you um, a blank sheet to make up his will and to make up what he wants and what he's going to do. He's not a server coming and you're saying, I'd like, you know, salmon, medium rare. That Like, it doesn't work like that, right? But see, when I say it to you, you go, well, of course it doesn't. That's rude and condescending to God. And that's, you know, notice that in that picture, there's not a relationship. And yet... When we abide in him and his word abides in us, we begin to pray after his own heart. And it is from our heart. And he will do whatever we ask or wish in, those, in that context. And the reason it's a paradox is because they seem to be contradictory, those truths, but they really are not. They actually are two pillars that really help put the house up, if you will. I want to be real practical here as I'm wrapping up this morning. Um, many of us, I think, want to hear God's voice. And I hope, as you've been in the series the last few weeks, I hope that the intimidation of that is falling down. We keep saying that phrase, don't trust your ability to hear God, trust God's ability to speak to you. It's about his ability to communicate with you. But I think from a real practical standpoint, we have too many distractions in life. Um, there's too much noise in our life. It's kind of, God, I want to hear your voice. But there's always noise. Right? There's always activity. Um, there's no time to hear when we're always engaged. Right? I'm not, like, trying to do some weird condemning thing. I use Facebook, okay? But, but we know, like, we can be engaged from when we wake up until we go to bed... And remember that scripture from Elijah, 
from uh, yeah, Elijah where it says the still small voice. Just practically speaking, if I'm going to hear a still small voice, I probably need it not loud all the time and not engaged all the time, right? Just practically speaking. And so I think it's good for us to eliminate distractions in our lives. And you have to apply this in your life as it makes sense to you and create focus because um, the way that our lives are set up generally is we all have, I think, a lot going on. Amen? And I don't know about you, but sometimes the volume of the number of things that can go on. I don't know if you've ever had this problem where you actually have a hard time focusing because there's so many things going on and your mind actually becomes fractured in your ability to focus. And when that happens, that's like a signal to you of, hey, slow down. Hey, Edit down. Hey, we need to be a little more than just do so that we can receive what he has for you. I want to close with this verse today. This is the front end of this verse. A lot of you have probably heard it uh, somewhere before. The first verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm going to start with this time. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a good verse, isn't it? God has good plans for you. Now, verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I want to ask this not in a condemning way, but in kind of an honest, life-giving way. We say we want to hear the voice of God, but will you seek him? Or do we just want the answer? Ethan, will you pause for a moment? Y'all are about to freeze. I love this verse because it says, you will seek me and you will find me with all of your heart. There's this relationship with God that's a very real thing. And it's something that develops in your life just like every, anyone, any relationship that you would have. It's very practical from the standpoint of, you know, when you put time into a relationship, it grows closer. When you um, invest in a relationship, it, it grows closer. When you give attention to a relationship, it grows closer. But here's the weird, wild thing about God. He loves you regardless of the, the level of your seeking him. That's crazy. Because, y'all, that's not how we operate. Well, I, he didn't call. Well, they didn't, you know, come over to my house. Well, they didn't, you know, and, and well, I haven't heard from them for a long time. And, and we, you know, that distance kind of thing. Do you know that God doesn't operate with that, that way with your love, with his love for you? And here's how that applies to your life. I don't care how far you feel away from God. When you turn your heart to him and when you pray and when you read your word, when you spend your time with him, when you just turn and look at him, he is right there waiting. And he is not waiting there with a list of, now we need to talk. 
For some of us, we're afraid of it because we're afraid he's going to go, we need to talk. Don't get me wrong. God will convict you and he will turn you away from sin for your own good. But that is not the way that he operates, that you turn to him and he's just ready to slap you around. It's just not scriptural. It's not who he is. God's kindness leads us to repentance, to change our mind about the matter and to turn to him. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in that journey with, in hearing God, Seek him. You got some, a big decision in life? Seek him. Like last week, don't be in a hurry. Just let God be God. You're going to grow so much in just seeking him. You'll learn stuff about yourself in seeking him. But you should have great confidence that God speaks. He will speak to you. And he has a word for you. And he's not trying to, uh, to hide from you or confuse you. Because that is not who he is. Confusion, you just go, that must not be God. Will you stand with me this morning?